Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Missing Links Podcast, where we talk about crime, serial killers, disappearances, and unsolved mysteries from all around the globe. The Missing Links is researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Ethan Bacon. In our episode today, we will be discussing a fairly well-known case of murder. However, there is quite an interesting backstory. You see, Dee Dee Blanchard was born as Claudine Petrie on May 3, 1967, to her parents Claude Anthony Petrie Sr. and Emma Louis Gisclair in the town of Chuck Bay, Louisiana. She grew up with her siblings in the nearby town of Golden Meadow. Oh yeah, her siblings. Dee Dee had five other siblings growing up, three brothers and two sisters to be exact. In her early childhood, Dee Dee often stole things in order to get back at others or if something didn't go her way showing early signs of manipulation strategies often used by children. In her early adult life, she became a certified nursing assistant, and her immediate family expressed their suspicion that she might have killed her own mother in 1997 by denying her food. At just the age of 24, she was impregnated by then-17-year-old Rob Blanchard. They named their daughter Gypsy Rose because Dee Dee liked the name Gypsy, and Rod loved the band Guns N' Roses, and I mean... Who doesn't like that freaking band? Regardless, in July of 1991, Gypsy was born. Believe it or not, Dee Dee didn't exactly have anyone comforting her in the delivery room because just a few days prior, Rod separated from her, later saying they got married for the wrong reasons. This gave Dee Dee full custody of Gypsy. That is where our story begins, and it only gets crazier as we begin to explore more as we find out that at just three months old, Dee Dee was convinced that Gypsy had sleep apnea, which is a disorder in which breathing repeatedly starts and stops during sleep. Dee Dee had begun taking her infant to the hospital, where they repeatedly did overnight stays with a sleep monitor, IV, heart rate monitor. They had the works on this girl. And do you want to know what came back to the doctors? Absolutely nothing. Nevertheless, Dee Dee was convinced, not just of her daughter's sleep apnea, but a whole plethora of health issues that apparently stemmed from an unspecified chromosomal disorder. Gypsy was frequently brought by her mother to the Special Olympics. Dee Dee had full control over this child to the point where Gypsy didn't know the difference between her mother's honesty or her mother's lies. In fact, Dee Dee would claim Gypsy to be eight years old in 2001 when she was named honorary queen of the crew of Mid-City, which was a children's parade during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Gypsy never attended school past second grade, being homeschooled thereafter by her mother, the reasoning being accredited to Gypsy's mental illness, but riddle me this. If Gypsy was so mentally ill, how is it that she managed to learn how to read on her own through the Harry Potter books? After moving in with her family, Dee Dee's father claimed she poisoned her stepmom with Roundup Weed Killer one night while preparing dinner, which then caused her own chronic illness. During that time, Dee Dee would be arrested multiple times for writing bad checks. Dee Dee decided to move out of her parents' house with Gypsy and stayed in public housing in Slidell. She paid her bills using public assistance checks that were sent for Gypsy's chronic medical conditions. Dee Dee took her daughter to hundreds of specialists at Tulane Medical Center and the Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Nevertheless, Gypsy's illnesses began to grow worse now causing hearing and vision problems, even including muscular dystrophy and seizures. Doctors prescribed anti-seizure meds and did several surgeries on Gypsy as her mother brought her to the ER frequently for minor ailments. 
Dee Dee and her daughter relocated to Missouri after Hurricane Katrina devastated the area of New Orleans in 2005. During their time in Missouri, Gypsy was honored by the Oli Foundation, who advocates the rights of feeding tube recipients as their Child of the Year in 2007. In 2008, a small home with a wheelchair ramp and hot tub was built for them to move into, courtesy of Habitat for Humanity. Throughout their years of support, they accrued many stays in Ronald McDonald houses, free flights to Kansas City, free trips to Walt Disney World, backstage passes to Miranda Lambert concerts, support from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and Gypsy's father, Rod Blanchard, was of course just still slowly bleeding money from his child support payments, which were at the low, low price of just $1,200 a month. And just to put it in perspective, $1,200 a month is some people's freaking rent now. Regardless, Rod went through it all for love as he gave Gypsy gifts, special treats, and, of course, phone calls, which came on holidays and special occasions and usually went pretty well. Except for one call on Gypsy's 18th birthday, where Dee Dee told Rod not to tell Gypsy her real age as she thought she was 14. And do you know what this piece-of-garbage human Dee Dee Blanchard said about her ex-husband? She claimed Gypsy's father, Rod, was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic who never came to terms with his daughter's health issues and never sent them any money. Gypsy often wore wigs and hats to cover her baldness. Oh, did I not mention, Dee Dee regularly shaved Gypsy's hair to mimic the after-effects of chemotherapy. When Gypsy left the house, she was required to take an oxygen tank and feeding tube, and she was fed that disgusting nutrition shake garbage well into her 20s. Ugh. Dee Dee was very controlling, to say the least, constantly holding Gypsy's hand wherever they went, and behind closed doors would even strike Gypsy with her hands or a coat hanger. On one occasion, Dee Dee really wanted Gypsy to stop drooling, so... She decided to inject Botox into her daughter's saliva glands, but then decided, nah, never mind that, and just took her saliva glands out altogether. Gypsy then had tubes implanted in her ears to control her ear infections. Finally, this one pediatric neurologist named Bernardo Flasterstein saw Gypsy and became suspicious of Gypsy's muscular dystrophy and ordered MRIs and blood tests, which came up with, oh, wow, wouldn't you have guessed it? absolutely nothing. After looking further into the facts, he found out about how when Gypsy was first tested for her sleep apnea, everything came back negative, which in turn discredits all of Dee Dee's claims about Gypsy. My main man Bernardo told Dee Dee all of the flaws she had in her story, but for whatever reason, decided not to report anything to social services. You serious, dude? I gotta call you a dumbass, Bernardo. It was found that Dee Dee had at the very least one forged copy of Gypsy's birth certificate, which moved her birth year to 1995, claiming that Gypsy was still a teenager. Dee Dee thought she had an alibi, stating Gypsy's original birth certificate and all of her medical records were destroyed in Hurricane Katrina. However, Dee Dee did keep another copy of Gypsy's birth certificate with the real date on it hidden somewhere. Gypsy cosplayed often and typically frequented events like Comic-Con, and at a comic event in 2011, Gypsy snuck off from Dee Dee and was later found by her mother in a hotel room with a man she met online. Dee Dee threatened to sue the dude for soliciting a minor, and also threatened Gypsy's computer with a hammer. Well, 
not really threatened it, she more just obliterated it, but then stated it would be done to Gypsy's fingers if she ever tried to escape again. Dee Dee then decided that no punishment would better suit the crime than to leash and handcuff her daughter to the bed for two weeks straight. You know, as you do. Dee Dee later told Gypsy she went down to the police station and filled out paperwork stating that Gypsy was mentally incompetent, which in turn made Gypsy think that if she tried to go to the police for help, they wouldn't listen to her. Gypsy continued to use the internet after her mom fell asleep, but where would she go for help? Facebook? Twitter? How about Christian Mingle, which is where she made contact with Nicholas Gojohn, a man who was around her age from the town of Big Bend, Wisconsin. Nick had some issues himself, a criminal record for indecent exposure, dissociative identity disorder, and autism. In 2014, Gypsy paid for Nick to meet her mother in an insanely convoluted plan that had a million different variables, including them randomly meeting at a movie theater in costume and falling in love and then meeting her mom. However, when they did meet in person for the first time, they went into the bathroom and had sex. Seriously. Which, might I add, is probably the best and most romantic place to lose your virginity. Gypsy later reported she didn't find Nick desirable in person as much as she did online, stating that he was creepy. In June of 2015, Nick returned to Gypsy's house when her and Dee Dee were at, you guessed it, a doctor's appointment. After they returned home and Dee Dee fell asleep, Gypsy let him in and gave him duct tape, gloves, and a knife with the understanding he would use it to kill her mother. Gypsy went into the bathroom, closed her eyes, and covered her ears as Nick stabbed her mother in the back several times while she lay asleep. The two then proceeded to engage in intercourse in Gypsy's room, stole $4,000 from Dee Dee, and headed for the hills. Our story isn't over quite yet, however, as I'm sure you're all interested in what exactly happened to Gypsy, and we'll be getting into all that right after these messages. Hey, you! Me? Yes, you! Have you ever wanted to create a podcast? Hell yeah! Have you ever set up a podcast before? Hell no, cause that shit's way too complicated. Well, let me tell you about this free app called Anchor! Oh yeah? What's so great about Anchor? Anchor allows you to truly do everything including record, upload, edit, distribute, and monetize your podcast all from your phone! Huh. Well, I guess that does sound like a pretty good app. Of course it is, dummy! So download the Anchor app right now, or go to anchor.fm to get started! If you'd like to support me and this podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash themissinglinks and become one of my patrons for as little as a dollar a month. You can always choose to pledge more than that, but nevertheless, any pledge at all helps me more than you can imagine. Thank you. After the two had murdered Gypsy's mom, what else to do after killing somebody than to go online and brag about it, which is exactly what they did. The two made several Facebook status updates from Dee Dee's account stating things such as, quote, That bitch is dead, end quote, and, quote, I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, lol, end quote. Naturally, neighbors, friends, and family of Dee Dee who saw the posts were a little more than concerned, and when their phone calls to Dee Dee were not answered, they went to Dee Dee's house in person, and when the knocks on her door went unanswered, they called 911. 
Police that arrived stated that to open the front door would require a search warrant, but they allowed one of the neighbors on site to climb through a window to check on her. A minute or two passed, and the neighbor exited through the window, complaining of the smell inside, but not noting much else. Police then got the warrant, entered the house, and soon found Dee Dee's body. Gypsy was the last person anyone suspected. The police and the people who knew Dee Dee were mortified at the discovery of Dee Dee's body, as they feared the worst that, even if Gypsy was alive, she would be helpless without her amenities. But one of Gypsy's friends knew something. Years earlier, Gypsy confided in her friend Woodmancy about her online boyfriend. Woodmancy at the time, thinking Gypsy was a teenager and knowing of her boyfriend's age, was worried and warned her not to talk to him, as she could become a victim of a sexual predator. Woodmansey told this to police, along with showing them printed screenshots of messages between Gypsy and her boyfriend. Police asked Facebook to trace the IP that was used to post those chilling Facebook statuses on Dee Dee's account, and it came back as an IP address in, wouldn't you know it, Big Bend, Wisconsin. Police later raided Godjohn's house, where the two then surrendered and were taken into custody. In the end, Godjohn was pegged with the idea of the whole operation and was given life in prison, whereas Gypsy only got ten years. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where our story ends today. And to be honest, I'm still not sure how I feel about Gypsy's sentencing, because while, yeah, she did kill her mom, her mom was kind of just a awful person to begin with, but... Who am I to comment on topics like that? Anyways, you guys, that is going to do it for this episode of The Missing Links. Don't forget to close your windows, lock your doors, and most of all, stay safe.